0: This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with John Benzinger of Redeemer Church. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword conviction righteousness ruthlessness to understand tolerance you have to understand the line of intolerance war is the teacher soldiers are the students they become the bards of war good evening patriots and tonight is friday december 2nd in the year 2022. tonight we have a great interview with pastor john Benzinger for redeemer bible church in gilbert arizona that was one of my stops on the trip I did through the, last, through the six weeks of traveling the country. They've done a great amount of work and building in a church that was quite literally, whether it was unknown, whether it was even going to continue. And that's to the credit of the great team that's there, John's leadership and the, and the glory of Father God. Patriots, before we begin tonight, make sure that you're also getting a good night's sleep. And right now, sleep is one of the most important things we can get. And to do that, you're going to need the best sleep products on the market. And we know where those come from, and those come from MyPillow. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Take a listen to Mike Lindell.
1: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to bring you my biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get my Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases, only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. We also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. We even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All at the biggest discounts ever. I know my bedding products are perfect for you and I'm extending my money back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen, use your promo code and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding products, including my Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last.
0: And that's mypillow.com forward slash Bards promo code Bards. So, Patriots, we know that we've had a lot of things going on in our world. These are things that are literally out of our control, and it's a major war on the the mindset of, of humanity. This is called gaslighting. And in gaslighting, what people, what this elite does is they constantly feed information of extreme events that we have no control over, but it forces an overload in our cognitive capabilities. The problem is that, We've always had a way through this, but we tend to get wrapped up into the physicality of everything that's going on around us. The center point to all things, as we know, is our relationship with Father God. So tonight we have a great discussion with John Benzinger, and he's going to dig into this war that's being waged by the religion of woke culture. And he does a fantastic job of articulating this and kind of putting things in a proper lens of the challenges that we face and the type of enemy. That we're confronting. Safety for our families is always top notch. And like I said last night, you wanna make sure and maintain your skills that ensure the safety of your family. And to do that, we also have great tools like iTarget Pro. You know how passionate I am about our constitution and especially the second amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10%, plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Pastor John Benzinger. Patriots, I am really honored today. It's been a long time to have John Benzinger on. He is the pastor from Redeemer Bible Church. He was also at BardsFest, and he has just published an amazing book all about the fight we currently face called Stand Christianity versus Social Justice. John, welcome to the show, how are you?
2: Great, and Scott, it is really truly an honor to be back on your show. I I love you dearly, I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely, so let's just get caught up a little bit because a lot has happened over this last year since Bardsfest and part of that is this new book, Stand.
2: Yeah. So back in uh, November of 2020, I preached a series called Stand Christianity Versus Social Justice. I wanted to make it clear that as Christians, this is not something to try to redeem. This is not something to try to synthesize with Christianity. This is something that Christians must stand against. And I was seeing it creep into our church through social media and through relationships with people at churches that were going woke in this area. And once I realized that this wasn't a secondary issue, but that this was actually a different religion disguised as a political movement, I I realized I need to protect the flock here at Redeemer from this movement. And equip them to be able to share why it is that they're not going to go down this road, and actually going to stand against it in there with their families, their friends, their neighbors, their coworkers, other students uh, at their schools. And so it was—it it became something where I had no idea what was going to happen with that, but that ends up going viral uh, in this area, and so hundreds of people start showing up. To Redeemer at this time. So the church um, explodes with growth. And and here we are every week seeing another 100 people showing up for multiple months in a row. So it it became something of a, it took off. And my wife told me at the time, uh, you should turn that into a book. And I ignored her on that. And then nine months later, an author named Owen Strand, who wrote a book called Christianity and Wokeness. He texted me and said, "If you if you turn stand into a book, I'll get behind it." So I was like, "Oh, okay." My wife's like, "What do you do? I told you to do that nine months ago, and you don't listen to me. You listen, to him. <laughs> you know." And so, uh, so yeah, I'm the very first words of the book, I'm apologizing, or I'm I'm acknowledging my wife is the one who told me nine months prior to Owen Strand telling me to write the book. So that's my confession, my public confession that I was wrong and she was right. And so, but really the goal was to equip Christians to understand the social justice movement through the lens of the Bible, to show them that this is neither social nor justice. It is an oxymoron. And it is something that Christians have to stand against.
0: John, you've done some really innovative things at your church and bold. One of those was to bring in, and I'm assuming it's kind of part of this. You brought in one of the people that wrote the doctrine for Marxism. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So we, um, so so the way I, I view the time that we're in right now is that there are there are skirmishes, and then there's the war and the war in my mind is this neo marxist takeover of america like i said it is a it is a theological war disguised as a political war so and when something is disguised as political pastors don't know what to do with that because they're afraid to lose their 501c3 status. They, they don't, even though no church has ever lost that. But with that new law that passed today, we'll see what happens. But it's never happened before. They're afraid. They don't know what to do. They don't want to get involved in politics because they don't want to cause their church people to leave their church. And so they, they don't know what to do. And once I realized, wait a minute, this is theology, and I can speak to that, I don't know anything about foreign policy and tax law, but I know I know theology and I know ethics. And this is uh, this is a, and philosophy. And so this is anti-Christian. This is a, an atheistic ideology disguised as politics that's sweeping our nation. So this is something where we said, yeah, we've got to we've got to we've got to fight. We've got to be in this battle. This battle has been raging around the world for over 100 years and everywhere where this ideology gets a foothold, the first place it comes is the church. So it, it, it will come after Christians and they will be the first to go into the gulags. They'll be the first to go into the concentration camps. They're the first to be silenced and thrown into jail. And so for me, I, I looked out at the next 40 years of my life and said, if God gives me 40 years, I want to be able to look at my kids and say, I fought against the battle raging in our country, this anti-Christian, anti-gospel, not political, theological battle that's happening in our world. And so for me, I want to unite with anybody who's against this because we all have to be firing in the same direction. If we're not firing at this, it just takes another step every day to more and more tyranny in our world. So yeah, so I've I brought people in that people would be like, why Why is that guy on your stage? Well, he's on my stage because we have a common enemy, even though he's not a Christian. And he's he, he knows his stuff. So we need to be able to fight. And we need all the tools we can to do it as best we can by God's grace.
0: I think that's fantastic. And, you know, John, compliments to you because I've, I've met a lot of pastors in, around the country. And there just are not enough pastors like you that are taking the risk and stepping out and being bold from the pulpit. And it's unfortunate because our nation was really founded from the pulpit.
2: Yes, it was. It absolutely was. The black robe regiment was real. And it is something that I think the comfort of America. And I think the, the affluence has made us apathetic and we just think we can, that that culture is kind of neutral And as long as we leave other people alone, they'll leave us alone. And that may have been true even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but it's not true now. And pastors... Christians in general, pastors specifically, have a prophetic call to the culture. You see it all throughout the Old Testament, especially the minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament. You see it in John the Baptist calling out Herod um, and in his sin. You see this, that there is a prophetic dimension for the people of God to call their rulers, back to biblical back, back to the the principles and the uh, worldview of the bible and so if pastors are silent if they're afraid if they they don't know what's good you know what could happen we could have people protest in front of our church we could have people throw stuff at our homes like yeah th- that's gonna silence us if we care so deeply about our our comfort and not think what i mean just baseline what about my kids and my grandkids? What are they going to grow up in? The reason we are where we are as a country is because people were willing to put everything on the line against outrageous odds and say, come what may, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's moral. I'm going to do what's biblical. I'm going to honor God. And so we need pastors to get back into that fight and lead the people that they're, that they're charged with uh, caring for, lead them in these fights for righteousness. See, we make a distinction between the church and what what happens is that it's like, well, you just preach the gospel and don't worry about this other stuff. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You just preach the gospel. And I would say that if I was in like communist Russia, Uh, Where, where I don't, I don't get the freedom to say that kind of stuff. But if I'm, if I'm in a country where I'm still allowed to influence the direction of my country through argumentation, through voting and all of those things, I still live in that country. And so I'm going to do what I can with my little platform and, and, and my little group of people that call Redeemer their church to say, listen, there's a war out there that we got to get involved in. And so let's let's get involved. That, that doesn't mean that we're we're calling these non-believers uh, irredeemable or any of that stuff. Yeah, we know there by the grace of God that would be me if it wasn't for God's grace to me. But at the same time, we we get to influence the direction of our country through biblical principles, with biblical principles, through things like voting, through things like getting involved at various levels in our government. So so let's not retreat let's not let's not say, well, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be like, we'll just see what happens. God is sovereign. No, we, we can walk and shoot gum at the same time. We can care about what's being taught uh, to our kids in the public school and preach the gospel. We, we, we can do both. So it's a false dichotomy. It's not an either or it's a both and.
0: This is a bit of an an evolution too of what we look at as the church. I should almost—it's not even just an evolution; it's almost going back to rebuilding the ecclesia model. Would you agree? Well, how so? Well, and where I'm looking at this is the church right now has, in our modern time, has just been kind of a an event that we do on Sundays. Mm. And what I've witnessed at Redeemer, what I've witnessed at other churches, what we're trying to build up in Oregon is to make this a connector through community. So it's, it's education of children. It's teaching how to grow food. It's a resource far beyond just the simple words in the Bible, but taking the Bible and making it a living, breathing
2: language in everything we do. Yeah, there is a, um, for, for American Christians, it's, it's, it's been a lot of, okay, this is, This is what I do at this time and this day of the week. And then I do these other things at these times and these days of the week. And what what you're saying and really what Christianity has always been promoting is that all of life belongs to Jesus, that we, we connect Jesus to all of life, that there's not, he's not a compartment. He is of my life. He is the Lord over all of life. Every square millimeter belongs to him in the entire universe, which means that, that he owns it all and he should be honored in all of it. So when I, when I think about, um, what, what, you're, what, what we're beginning to see is, is you're beginning to see an awakening among Christians where they're saying, okay, if, if nobody else is going to uh, fight for my school board, making sure to get wokeness and crazy critical theory out of my, my school board, well, then I'll, I'll step up and do it. And the sad part about it, Scott, is it's typically the mom's. The, the husbands, the fathers, the men are just kind of like, go ahead, honey, while I watch football, go ahead, honey, while I play video games, go ahead, honey, I got my work to do. And it's like, so, so, so the moms become the, uh, the fighters and the men become the supporters of the fighter. It's completely turned upside down right now, which I think is just further evidence of God's, God is not pleased with what's going on in, in the, uh, in the larger culture and even within the church at large. And it is a, there are revival movements that I pray get steam that, that I pray God uses to uh, revive his church. Um, but it is, it, it, you're seeing a lot of things, pastors who are silent, men who aren't stepping up, you're seeing women and children who are the ones who are willing to take the hits and are willing to lead. And it's like, God, this is, this isn't good. For, for the direction of what's going on here. God raised up godly men who are willing to fight. I agree. And
0: this is one of these strange inversions. Uh, the whole kind of satanic Luciferian side inverts anyway. Yes. And we're seeing that spill over as just exactly as you say, with the women taking the lead, which had, I'd be, I complimented all the time on the one level because had it not been for them, there'd be a lot of things that we would not be able to push forward with. Amen. But the but the men have been amazingly silent in this time. Apprehensive. I mean I'm it's it's perplexing to a certain degree because there is so much rhetoric around the 2A movement and I I've, I've got my guns and my ammo, but it's like okay, but do you have your Bible which is mightier than all of that and are you willing to lead truly with the Holy Spirit? And that's a real interesting um apprehension by many of the men in our nation. Do you agree?
2: It is, but men have been the center of the attack within our culture for multiple decades. So at the time when we want men in the thousands to rise up and fight and lead, they've been discipled by our culture to do the exact opposite to sit back let you you're not smart you're out of control you're a toxic male all masculine traits are negative all feminine traits are positive so you you instill that in a culture you downplay male leadership in a culture, you make all the heroes idiots. Look at, look at the Marvel movies now. It's the MCU with a a whole bunch of women leading and strong and making all the male characters look like idiots. And it's not just, it's not just Marvel. It's, it's all of the, the, the basic shows that, that you and I would have grown up watching and saying that that's strong male characters. Those that, yeah, that that's a hero right there. They've all been deconstructed to make men look like idiots. Think about, Homer Simpson, think about Al Bundy, think about Ray Romano, like there's there's there are not strong godly characters, strong male figures like leave it to beaver and father knows best, those kinds of things, because our culture has been attacking men for a moment like this. At the time when when men need to rise up, things that I'm saying right now, well, that's toxic masculinity, that's anti-woman, that's all of that. It's like, no, the, the greatest thing that that a woman could have in her life is a strong, godly man to lead her and give her the give, give her the, the godly direction that God wants. And so, and that's not just true in a family, that's true in a nation. And that's, that's what we saw. That that's what gave us the nation that we have right now. That doesn't mean that they're perfect and sinless. Nobody is. But, but this kind of male leadership that we're talking about is so countercultural. It's actually anti the culture that we're in now, which for me as a pastor, I'm going, we need to make sure that our church is known for making godly men in this culture. Let's
0: go back to the book a bit, because I, I'd like you to break down kind of the framing of what this religion is of social justice.
2: So it comes out of a uh, philosophical background called Marxism, which is an economic theory where there's the oppressors and the oppressed and the the poor and the middle-class, they're the oppressed and the oppressors are the rich. And uh, the idea is for the oppressed to, they have more, there's more of them. So rise up, overthrow the oppressors and create a new, create a new society where everybody's equal. Well, There are some think tank in Germany that realized, well, we're not getting the revolution that we thought would happen with Marx. And so what we need to do is we need to take Marxism and and move it into psychology, move it into sociology, and see oppressor and oppressed not as... um, not as economic theories, but as social theories. And so now the oppressors today, so now fast forward another 100 years, and today the oppressors are white males. White people are oppressors. Why? Because they're white, and they've benefited from white privilege. And there is any inequity in the culture, any disparity in the culture, has to be because of white males or uh heterosexuals so think of every other every other non-normal is what you would say well this is just normal america white anglo-saxon protestant all that stuff yeah that's the oppressor those are those are ones who have harmed people of color harmed women harmed the lgbtq crowd and so on and so even healthy so you've got healthy and fit and then the oppressed are the fat You've got the, the you've got the rich, you've got the poor, you've got the the citizens, and you've got the undocumented illegal aliens. So so every so the, the whole paradigm for life is oppressor and oppressed. And so what I show in the book is that not only is this a different gospel, meaning it is not biblical. It's not Christian, no matter how much you try to baptize it with words like love and justice. It's not biblical. It does it, None of this came from deep study of the Bible. It came from atheistic ideologies being trying to be synthesized within the Christianity and being synthesized into our culture. And so you have this paradigm, and then you, you read that paradigm into everything. So what, what that is, is a worldview. Well, Christianity is a worldview. It is a way of seeing and understanding the world. So this becomes a competing worldview, and that's why I called it a completely different religion. So if you think about a worldview, there's God, reality, there's... Right and wrong. There's What's the problem with humanity? What is a human? What's the solution? Where is history going? What happens after you die? All of those things create a worldview. So different religions and belief systems have different answers to those questions. Well, guess what? The social justice movement does too. So it's a different religion. It's a different worldview. And really, if you think about reality in terms of Christianity is true and everything is false, everything else is false, which is what Jesus would say. I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me, he is the truth. So so if Christianity is true, then these other worldviews are not just opposite of Christianity. They're actually substitutes for Christianity. And as substitutes, they are actually anti-Christian. So they take our words, they take our concepts, they completely redefine them and yet continue to use them. Why? In order to fool Christians into following. Because at the end of the day, there's been one thing that has held back the cultural revolution in our nation, No no matter what's tried to happen over the last 100, 200, 300 years, there's always been something that has been the, the stopgap that has said, no, this far and no farther. And it's always been the Bible believing church. So the attack on Christianity now is to create this wedge with social justice to fracture the uh, the, the, the Bible believing church into two different spheres. So now, you, well, it's okay if you're a Christian and you vote for progressives. It's okay if you're a Christian and embrace social justice. Be- and, and so what happens is you've now split Christianity, and once it's split, it's weakened, and it's not a united force against evil in the world anymore. Now it's broken, and a broken, a broken tr- visible church now becomes the avenue through which all manner of evil and tyranny can, 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 can gain an upper hand in the culture.
0: The Satanists use the term, do as thou will." And it literally is an unaccountable position. And what I find in my own research in this is when you take that principle and you move it forward into the progressive movement, it's there's a there's a direct link because it gets to the place of accountability. I have not found, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this, I have not found any other accountability in the progressive movement or this woke culture other than themselves.
2: Yeah, so in response to do as thou will, the Christian says, do as God wills, right? Right. He is our accountability. So what happens in the woke culture is accountability is whatever happens on social media. So accountability becomes cancel culture. And it, and really all it is is it, it's a it's a substitution for church discipline within the Christian church. It, it becomes the, the the form of church discipline where where you're canceled and you're cut out from the community. You're no longer allowed to be a part of it until until you repent. And and we'll we'll see. I mean, in the social justice movement, there is no forgiveness. You can't forgive an oppressor. Once you forgive the oppressor, they're off the hook. And once they're off the hook, they they can go back to oppressing again. And so it's a hamster wheel of no forgiveness of being canceled. And oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, okay, but you, you better keep doing the work. And if you don't keep doing the work, then it's going to prove you're not really you're, you're not you're not really sorry. You don't really forgive. So so it is a conditional form of forgiveness that is impossible to ever have so again that's totally antithetical to christianity which says you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That God is a forgiving God, that, and because He's forgiven me so much, I can I can forgive others whatever they've done to me, because nothing anybody can do to me can equal what God has done for me in forgiving me of all of my sins, past, present, and future, through faith in Christ. And so the cancel culture, the the accountability simply becomes whatever social movement decides is no longer okay today. So you see people that one day are great in the good graces of the woke culture, next day completely canceled. And now then they're backpedaling, like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry for what I said. I didn't even know I said something wrong, but things shifted and they didn't know it.
0: It's unsettling, isn't it? Amazing for for those that follow because they never have a, they never have their feet solid it's literally houses built on sand
2: no and they live in the perpetual fear of not having the right people's approval so it is in the Bible it's called the fear of man it's the opinions of other people dominating me so much that I change my views and I change my behavior in order to win their approval. And uh, not not receive their disapproval, and it's that same, it's that same um, desire. It's that same action that needs to be transferred from people to God. That's what the fear of God is. It's living my life knowing God is watching. So, I want his approval and I fear his disapproval, not for salvation, but for relationship. So, Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5 9, we make it our aim, our desire, our goal to be pleasing to him. Well, you're already saved. So, what is that all about? Yeah, from a place of salvation, I now want to please him because he saved my soul. So now I live to please him out of gratitude for salvation, not which is every other worldview on the planet and false religion as I please him in order to earn my salvation. That's, That's not Christianity. That's every religion on the planet, including the social justice movement. Christianity says, no, as an accepted child of God, now I get to please him because he saved my soul.
0: Are you seeing this social justice movement I mean obviously it's it's in it's moving into Christian churches and it's it's also seems to be moving into other faiths to try to lump them all into a unified religion is that do you see that as kind of its objective and goal
2: its goal is to it's like the the Borg in Star Trek or the the blob the thing you know those old movies the goal is to assimilate everything so it's not just it's not just religion it's business it's entertainment it's recreation it's government it's finance so so every single one of those has its own expression of the social justice movement so so you've got so if you think about the social justice movements three-headed monster which is race gender and uh sexual preference and so that, that's the push of the current social justice movement. So when you when you understand that, you can look into every single area. So ESG scores and finance has a underlying tone. Of social justice—that's the S in ESG. So there's finance. You've got government. You've got the new new laws that are being like the the law that was passed today, the the Disrespect of Marriage Act. Like that law is going into effect to promote social justice ideology, even if it goes against and attacks the First Amendment. No big deal because this is the 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 religious class in America are the oppressors. You take your religion seriously, you are an oppressor. And so we're just going to undermine you and attack you and take away whatever blessings government used to give you through this new law that went into effect today. So every single it's so it is, I mean, even even things like biking clubs and knitting clubs and and chess clubs are are becoming overrun by the social justice movement. So the goal is to assimilate everything, every single thing. So it's either going to assimilate you or it's going to destroy you. That, that that's that's its only game. There's no there there is absolutely zero chance at neutrality, and there's zero chance at a ceasefire. It is it is conform, convert or die. That's the social justice movement. And again, it's everywhere. So it's in Islam, it's in Judaism, it's in Sikhism, it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, it's everywhere. And the goal, again, is total assimilation of the entire culture.
0: How do you see the fight in the counter movement by Christians working out or playing out, strategy and tactics?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm very... Um, I'm very saddened by that because the movement against all of this doesn't have enough people fighting. It doesn't have enough people yet who are willing to fight for, for the truth, to fight for what's right. And Christians, which, which would typically be the, the last line of defense, are so fractured and they are so disunified which i again has been the goal to divide and conquer us and so it's working really well so we're distracted we're, we're we're not unified and there's not enough of us and as a result of that i'm my my prayer is that a book like mine and and many others will will wake up the sleeping giant of the uh, of the church and, and even non-christians who God is convinced, they will become convinced over their lives in things like truth and liberal democracy and things like that that gave us the Constitution and things of that nature that, 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 that all of us can unite against these ideas. There are atheists that don't like woke culture, agnostics, Buddhists, Hindu, like, who, who look at all this and go, this isn't right. We need to all fight against this. But there's, there's, there's so much disunity right now that short of an act of almighty God to, to awaken this sleeping giant, I'm, I'm fearful for the, for the future. But I know that at the end of the day, whatever happens, God is on his throne and that Christians need to remember that and get in the fight. And so I'm, I'm very, so on the one hand, I, I think about you and what God is using you to do, to, to do that, to awake the sleeping giant. And I go, God bless him, use him, continue to use him to, to wake this, this sleeping giant up because there's there so, there so many people out there. And what, what I fear is that what the progressive socialist agenda wants is to push us so much until we get violent. And once we get violent, they can just come in and decimate the constitution at that point. So I'm praying for cooler heads to prevail, but I'm also praying that those cooler heads get in the fight in a nonviolent way and say we got to get on our school boards we got to start running for office we got to start doing these things because this is how we can turn it around unfortunately there are groups of christians right now who are saying hey let's just let's just take over some cities in america and uh, just create our own magisterium create our own like our our own uh, laws that 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 keep atheists out. So they so they let's let's be done with the First Amendment and just create our little our little pockets where we can um, where where we don't have to worry about the larger culture. We'll just create our own culture in the in in the city of uh, Topeka. You know, we'll just take over Topeka. We'll get Christians in every area in that city, and then we'll just create a Christian mecca there. And to hell with the rest of the world. And it's like no, like no, the, the, these principles in our constitution are for everybody. These principles we see in scripture are for everybody. And so but so so those are some of the things that that I think about. But my I I mean I write a book like this because I believe that God can awaken his people through hundreds of different ways to get us all going in the same direction to fight this. And that's that's really my hope and prayer.
0: You've said something here though. It's interesting. I you know first of all I want to be very clear. I'm very much in agreement with you. In the idea of there's so many voices out there on how they can all come together, whether it's the atheist, the Buddhist, they're seeing this. Unfortunately, that statement in in a kind of the hardcore, I'm going to just call it kind of the pew Christian type believer that goes there, it can almost be seen as heretic. And that's a very unfortunate statement because we should be open to so much in bringing people in and exposing them to the life with Jesus within us. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think there's a really naive, simplistic idea within a lot of Christianity, which is like, don't get involved in the culture wars, just preach the gospel. I think we talked about that earlier, but um, there's also this idea like uh, you you can't you shouldn't you shouldn't partner with non-Christians against abortion. You shouldn't partner with non-Christians to. fight the culture wars because uh, it's just going to, it's just going to muddy the gospel and, and you don't want that. And my response to that is we can walk and chew gum at the same time that we can, fight the culture. Because again, we live in a country that is different than any other country in the history of the world, where we are able through influence to to bring about a nation that is closer to biblical principles or farther from biblical principles. And we don't just sit back and go, well, you know, the, the culture is going to hell in a handbasket. So whatever. No, we see prophets all over the Old Testament going, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to call it out. We're supposed to convince and persuade and influence people to go back in the direction of God's word, which according to uh, Romans chapter two, verses 14 and 15 is the, God's law is written on our hearts. We have right and wrong written on our hearts. And so when we hear God's truth, it resonates with something deep inside of us that caused us to, to move in that direction. And so, and even if it fails, we fail doing the right thing. So we, so we work and we, I mean, John the Baptist, would we say he was a failure for calling Herod out even though it cost him his life? We wouldn't, he's a hero. And so here's the thing, at, at the end of the day, our job is to be faithful, to fight for what's right, and at the same time, reach our friends and family, reach our neighbors who aren't Christians. It's not an either or thing. It's a both and thing. And when men understood that and fought to give us what we have now, which is America, it led to the greatest missionary expansion in the history of the world. People have been sent out sent out all over this nation, all all, all over the world for hundreds of years from this nation. Why? Because we had freedom of religion. And so fighting for that, fighting for truth, fighting for it's not an either or thing in my mind. It is a both and thing.
0: I fully agree. John, one of the, I would just say difficult principles I think is for people struggle with are three words, forgiveness, love, and righteousness, and we deal in this fight. To me, that we have to have a forgiving heart and walk with the love of Jesus, but understand that in, intense flame of righteousness of what is right and wrong. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
2: That's a really, that's a really good question. So, love is uh, is doing what's best for people, and what's best for people is God's will. And so, loving somebody is not ignoring their sin, loving somebody is not, um, ignoring God so that people can kind of do what they want with no, with no confrontation and righteousness is simply doing what's right according to God's word. And so when it comes to, when it comes to these things, to be people of righteousness in a culture that is quickly moving against righteousness, um, throughout the throughout the Bible what what Christians do is we stand against it. We stand against it in our personal lives when we're able to. Yes, but but what we have in America is something different where we're able to influence. We're able to influence towards righteousness and that's what we had for for hundreds of years. And so then when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is it comes from a Greek word which means to release. And so forgiveness means I'm releasing you from the debt that your, your sins caused against me. So in general, so, so when you see sin out in the world, unless somebody comes to me and says, please forgive me, my my, my job with them is, is to seek them to, cha- to repent of their sins and trust in christ and walk in righteousness that that's the goal and so I don't know if I'm answering your question in the way that you're, you're thinking, but forgiveness is not like this corporate thing. Like, okay, let's get all the Christians together and forgive the world for its unrighteousness. Like, that's not our job. Our job is to forgive personal offenses against us. Yes, because God has forgiven us all of our sins, past, present, and future. So of course I'm supposed to forgive somebody's sins against me because no one's ever sinned against me as much as I've sinned against God. But yet, at the same time, love is what's best for a person, and what's best for a person is not defined by what they think is best for them, or even what I think is best for them. It's what God thinks is best for them.
0: No, I think that's great, and there is no set answer. I've just been dealing with this topic for about three weeks, and it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one, in the, especially in the in the face of all of the challenges, and all of quite quite frankly, some of the horrific things that we're coming to understand in our culture. Forgiveness is a very difficult part for all of us to deal with because at a certain point, I mean, I, I kind of hold to the view that we have to have a forgiving heart for what's on our hearts so that we can open that heart up to hear God more, more clearly in, in our lives because we create those barriers when we start muddling our heart with anger and vengeance and fear and all of these other emotions that don't, that don't connect us deeply with the Father. That was kind of the nature of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That vengeance, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's the end of Romans 12. That our job is to pour hot coals on the heads of our enemies, which is to is the conviction that we love them and we're gracious to them, even when they're hating us. That 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 why? Because that's what God did to us. When we were hating him and working against him, how is it that God treated us? He showed us grace and mercy by giving us every good thing we've ever had. And then on top of that, for those who are saved, giving us his son who then saved our souls. And so how am I, with all of that kindness shown to me, how do I not show that kindness, forgiveness, mercy, compassion to others? I, I, it would, it would all, you you look at first John and he would say, if you don't, then you need to check yourself to see whether you're actually saved. If you're not, if you're not doing that. And so at the same time that we get, we get fired up about the things in the culture. And again, we have the ability to influence that culture. So let's, let's do that. And there's nothing wrong with having righteous indignation towards evil. You're supposed to. If we don't, there's something wrong with us internally. If we call evil good and good evil, if we don't get angry at evil, there's something wrong with us. But at the same time, we're forgiving towards those who sin against us because God has been forgiving towards us.
0: I see one of the most precious gifts that we're given is children, and I say that both as parents and then also collectively as a, as a as a whole, as a nation, as a community. And we're seeing, I'm going to point to something that's come out very recently, which you and I talked about briefly before the show, which was Balenciaga, which is this horrific ad campaign that has been using children. And just as the more we dig into this, it's just the sickness that goes with this. There is an obligation, I think, that we have as followers of Christ to be bold and to speak out on this and not to be complacent or silent, because I think in that doing so, we've our silence is actually a vote and even a, a direction towards sin. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, we're we're getting to a place in our culture where all we would do is speak out against things. And so you're right, there are there there is a hierarchy of evil. Some things are not as evil as others. And this is when, when you start to sexualize and um, and really sexually abuse children and encourage that. That is, uh, that's, that's something where there's got to be some kind of, uh, some kind of reaction from, from, from people that know and love God or even just moral people in general. And so totally, totally agree with that. It's, It's an interesting thing to see that a culture get angry at people who point out pedophilia. That's where the anger is directed, not towards those who are promoting pedophilia. Anger is not directed there anymore, and it's interesting. You think about what you know. There, people are angry that you would oppose drag queen story hour, but you you don't wonder why drag queens would want kids there in the first place. What what's going on here? You know. So so again, things are we're in the fog of war, where evil is good and good is evil, and up is down and down is up, and that's where. Having the anchor of God's word, having the clarity of God's word during this time is so incredibly critical. Being at a church is going to teach you the Bible that is going to show you what I'm saying is coming from this text. And what I'm saying is coming from this next text so that you see, okay, my mind is being shaped Conformed into what God wants me to know and do from His Word, so that when I go out into the fog of war, I have what the Bible calls discernment. So that I have a grid where I'm able to filter what I'm seeing and hearing, going, "This is right, this is wrong, this is true, this is false." And without that, God's people right now are just get caught up and drift with the culture. So when it comes to something like this, it, it would it would be wonderful if God's people all rose up against it. But it, we're also at a time when every, every almost every day has a new thing for Christians to be outraged about. It is, it is truly a remarkably sick time in American history.
0: John, talk a little bit now, as we kind of wrap this up, I'd like to hear a lot about what's going on at Redeemer church. You've done some amazing things there. You've, you've taken a church, you've grown it amazingly. You've, you've built a, a strong influence node within your community and I know you have a lot of plans, so you're going forward. Whatever you can share, I'd be very
2: interested. Yeah, so th- this, this is really something that the Lord has done. This was a dying church that God turned around incredibly rapidly. Um, a-, a church that six, seven, no, seven years ago, eight years ago, I wondered whether or not uh, God would use me to turn it around or my job was to put it in the ground. I, I didn't. I truly didn't know. And if you'd have told me seven years ago that the church would go from 200 to 90 to 2000 over the next six years, that we would have, we would have 30,000 subscribers on YouTube. We would have people from all over the world watching our live stream every weekend. I would have a book published Um I, I, there's no way in the world I would have believed you. It's, I, I would have said that. That's a look at a, look around. Like there's no way that's going to happen. And so what what's happened at Redeemer, I believe, is a, is, a, is a true miracle. Uh, people who are in church work, church work, like when I tell them the story, they they always use this. They always say the same thing. That's a miracle. That that doesn't happen every day. Uh, that, that one guy was like, I've been in church work 35 years. I've never heard that ever happen in my entire life. To, to have that kind of turnaround. And so with that, you know, you're you're building the the ship while it's sailing. So so it it is been been it has been a crazy, crazy seven years. We're coming up on on uh, on eight years in March. And so it it truly has been a remarkable ride. And for us, we're we're trying to be faithful to the Great Commission. To help people, what we call help people know love and serve Jesus. So there, there, there is there's a ton of stuff going. I mean, to, so to say that we we teach through books of the Bible. So I'm in I'm in John. I'm starting John chapter five this weekend. I've preached over forty sermons on John from John 1, 1 to the end of John 4. And so like, so we're going slow. We're going as deep as I can take people believing that if I worry about the depth of the ministry, God, will take care of the breadth of the ministry, that it's not my job to grow the church. It's my job to shepherd the flock and leave it in his hand to do whatever he wants with it. And so what, what he's done has been amazingly Use the words of Ephesians 3, amazingly abundantly beyond all I could have asked or even thought would happen. And so for us I mean yeah our our goals for, for what we hope God does through this church are, are to, to have a school and to have a, a place to send pastors and then send them out to plant churches and send missionaries and do all of this stuff in order to, to, to reach the lost who are out there who need Christ. And so helping people know, love and serve Jesus, that's really the heartbeat of Redeemer Bible Church and something I hope God continues to, to work and bless for, for decades to come. I'm sure he will. It's beautiful. John, where can people find your book? So two places. One, they can go to g3min.org slash stand. So G3 Publishing is the G3 Press is the name of the group that published the book. So G3, the letter G3min.org slash stand, or they can go to Amazon, Amazon, you can buy the heart, the, the soft cover for more than you could buy it from G3, but you can also, you, if you're an electronic book person, you can get the ebook there. And so, uh, so for me, I'm, I'm more of an ebook person. So I would get it at Amazon, get the Kindle version. And so th- those are the main places that can get, get stand.
0: And we'll make sure and push that. John, we always close with a prayer and it would be honored if you'd lead the prayer today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everybody listening let's pray father i'm i'm reminded of the words to the song though the wrong seems oh so strong god is the ruler yet and that's true god the, the darkness in our world seems to continue to grow and grow darker and darker every victory we have seems to be overshadowed by An intensification of darkness, and your people, Christians, born-again people, are fractured, and we're scared. We love comfort. We're apathetic. We don't know what to do, and so we don't do anything, and we fight battles uh, with other Christians rather than Turning our attention to the the real war that's going on in our culture right now, which is this culture war, this tyranny uh, that's seeking to take over everything. So God, while I pray that you would break the backs of those who are seeking to instill tyranny in our world, I pray that you would judge them temporally that you would stop them, that you would impede their progress. You would make it hard that all of the difficulty that your church is facing now to try to advance the truth, that, 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 the, that those who are the your enemies enemies to the truth would begin to sense that difficulty, that, that, that slowing things down, that hard to advance. I pray that, that you would do that, that you would stop them. I pray that you would give the truth uh, more influence in our in our world, in our country. And God, I pray for your people. I pray that we would be people who can walk and chew gum at the same time, who can fight for what's right and do what's right and fight for righteousness in our world, fight for the, the law as uh, as codified in our constitution and elsewhere. And yet at the same time, people who love their enemies, people who who love lost people, who want to see them saved, who don't see the mission field as our enemies, but see them as they're your enemies for sure if they've rejected Christ. But they're our mission field. And so there there are tons of different conflicting um, passions within us. And so God, I pray for clarity for your people. I pray for convictions to grow in people's hearts as they hear truth like in like with Scott's podcast here that as they hear truth their convictions are more and more solidified and that you would give your people courage to stand against whatever it is that is seeking to fight you and fight the truth. I pray that for clarity and conviction and courage for your people so that we can we can look and see what you have done through our lives and in our lives for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. That's great. You
0: know, it's a, just an awesome time talking to you and it's always enjoying it. So we'll make sure we get together sooner than the time we've had. It's been a busy year and you've done a lot and I'm, it's it's a blessing to hear all that uh, all this transpired and just really is. Uh,
2: well, you know, you know how much I love talking to you and how much I've uh, I've I've been honored to uh, be a part of what you're doing in a very small way. It really is uh, a true blessing. So I thank you very much, Scott, for everything.
0: Well, thank you, John. It's really a blessing all the way around. I'm looking forward to coming back down and seeing you at the church too, which we'll make sure and do.
2: That would be Absolutely. fantastic. We'd love that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, John, have a very blessed day. Thank you for your time. It's been a great time and we'll, we'll, we'll get together soon again because I want to continue to hear about how things are going in, in your fight, in your war you're having there.
2: Great, we'd love that.
0: God bless. God bless you too, brother. That was Pastor John Benzinger of Redeemer Bible Church in Gilbert, Arizona. They also have an online presence, which you should check out. And that book, that again, is Stand, Christianity Versus Social Justice. This is a really good framing of the challenges that we face in this day. We are definitely into an era of global Marxist attack. This is a coup d'etat on the entire world. And it's going to require a wide range of people and disciplines and even belief systems to unify, to come together, to stand as one. So thank you for being here tonight. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you this evening for Fishers of Men. Until then, or until the next time, God bless, and out for now.
3: We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe